With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. on Wednesday. We're back in the season of uh, changing up the dates based on the New York Rangers uh, schedule. I'm joined by Beth and Adam Herman, and both Adam and I are sick, so uh, it's going to be an interesting it's going to be an interesting podcast, I think. I just took some cough medicine with codeine and um, that codeine is good stuff. It is good stuff. Anywho, this is uh, Bantering the Blue Shirts. I'm your host. Uh, I am joined by Beth and Adam, and we may have some callers because people are annoyed that uh, they weren't invited to come onto the show. And Mike is in Canada, but somehow he's listening to us as well. So hello, Mike. Tell us what we sound like live. Um, Hello. Hello. This show should emphasize just how important Patreon is because we're doing it for you guys because we're sick. Anthony Viola, John J. Porter, Eric Cohn, Alexander Ricard, Daniel DeJean, Matt Bader, George Littman, Guy from Montana, Andrew Grigo, John Reppy, Stink Fleeman, Trevor Kempner, Tom, or Dan Carosi, that's not even a Tom, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Alexander Thornton, Igor Zatlowski, Thomas Osa, and Michael Silvers. They all donated, and they get to hear their names on this wonderful podcast. The rest of you could, too, if you donated, patreon.com slash blueshirtbanter. Go do it. It is good for you. And it's good for us. And it will get Beth out of jail at some We are less than 24... <laughs> damn it. We are less than 24 hours away from the New York Rangers opening game. Are you either of you going? I am going. Oh, you so am not- I. We should meet up. We should do one of those meetups. Have everybody come. I think should, uh, a ton of people. Oh, are actually. oh God. Um, it's our first look at uh, Kevin Shattenkirk. It is our first look at, I'm assuming, Anthony D'Angelo. Um, lineups haven't been released yet, right? No. But we could take our guesses. Dead. Um. And I don't know. Um, you know what? Let's start here. Before we get into any of the analysis, before we get into – because this que- the answer to this question will ultimately breed discussion. Adam, putting you on the spot first, how, what are your overall feelings going into tomorrow, not just for tomorrow but for the season? Are you optimistic? Do you think the Rangers, from what you've seen over the summer to the preseason, do you think we have enough questions answered about the Rangers' center depth? Is the whole Heedle thing kind of throwing 
wrenches and stuff because we don't know how that's going to work out. I want your overall thoughts. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really know. It's it's um, it's a bit of a freeing feeling because you know, save save for Mark Stahl, um, you know, I think we talked about this in, in, in the summer that anything that goes wrong for the Rangers this year, at least it'll be new. Um, which, not that things going wrong is great, but at least, uh, you know, it will be for a lack, you know, it won't be lack for lack of trying something different if they, if things don't go right. Um, <clears throat> now I've, I've said repeatedly, I don't, I don't think um, the current roster is what they're planning on going into the playoffs with. Um whether that means trading Nick Holden, whether that means adding one forward, whether that means adding two forwards, um, whether that means calling up a few players, I don't know. But um, I don't think there's a pressure to figure it out immediately. Um, I think whatever happens, um, at least the fans can feel like the team is headed in a positive direction. Um so, so I'm I'm pretty excited just for that reason that I think regardless you know the team that has has corrected a lot of errors um, and hopefully if there are any more they'll continue to uh, figure it out. I Beth, before I throw it over to you, just I love the point of new problems because it, it think of it like every time you open the door to get into your house, the the door like the screen falls on your head. And you keep opening up the door because that's just what you do. It's nice to open the door and the screen doesn't fall on your head. And even if something goes, even if you stub your toe, it's a new problem. Something that you've, you at least fixed one problem. And I think the past three years we've seen and been able to pretty much forecast the same problems over and over again, the screen falling on your head. And we can't do that now. I don't know what the Rangers' biggest issue is going to be, but I do know that if it is the defense, something has gone horribly wrong. And that could be anything from Stahl and Holden being permanent players on the third pair to an injury to McDonough or Shattenkirk or something horrible like that. But, you know, you're not worried about the defense this year where last year was really the only thing we were talking about at this point in time. So I definitely think there's something to be said for new problems because it means that the Rangers are at least doing something because they haven't really done much of anything until this summer, the past three years. So Beth, same question back at you. What are your thoughts going into the season? Uh, I'll feel better when I know what uh, kind of a TOI Mark Stahl is going to be getting. I think what kind of minutes he's going to be playing. Um, may take a little while to know that, but I, again, that's, to me, that's still sort of a, a black hole. No defense isn't as big of a problem as it was. I, I don't feel like the screen door is hitting me in the head, but I do feel still like, you know, it catches me on my elbow on the way into the house to work with your analogy. Like mm-hmm. I don't feel the screen door is totally fixed yet. Um, I guess the thing that's surprising me most, I'm really excited to, I'm really excited to watch this offense. I'm so excited for McDonough Unleashed just from what we've already seen. 
Um, I'm almost as excited for that as I am for Shattenkirk, although Shattenkirk, of course, enables that. Um, I'm a little surprised by how low the Rangers are coming in in some of the projections uh, for the Metro, I guess. Um, Everyone else from outside does not seem to quite, I, I don't know quite what all the factors are, but I feel pretty optimistic about this season. And whereas I think a lot of the rankings, having us, you know, coming into the playoffs with the last possible playoff spot, as far as I can see, if, and I think there was at least one projection from someone who knows better that the Rangers wouldn't make the playoffs at all. So I guess I'm wildly optimistic, but I'm a little, I'm a little, um, put off or I'm wondering what it is that other people are seeing. If it's just that the rest of the division is so good and on teams are on their way up, or if people don't realize what a big difference uh, changes on the defense and even some, you know, new excitement on the offense. I mean, um, watching, I was really, really worried about the loss of Stepan for a while until I saw, how do I say his name again? Heedle. And then when I thought that was like the most exciting thing, I think, I mean, that was so beyond my expectations that I just got all kinds of excited again. So yeah, he could get hurt. Yeah. He's really young, whatever, whatever. I don't care. It's going to be exciting to watch him. Um, So yeah, still worried about the defense, a little confused about what it is that that's sort of dropping us in, in the estimation of, of other writers. And, but yeah, he'll, so it couldn't be more excited to watch him and also Bujnevich this year. The uh, two things really surprised me this summer. The first thing was just how much people underestimate Kevin Shattenkirk. I mean, there were legitimately people who were happy that the Rangers signed him for reasons of like, oh, the Rangers overpaid for another player that's not that good. I legitimately think Kevin Shattenkirk is in the top 20 in terms of defensemen in the NHL, maybe the top 25. Um, Just everything that he can do makes a difference. And the Rangers need everything he can do. Like Devils fans were, and this could of course just be the fact that they didn't get him and um, they're just trying to overcompensate for that. But Kevin Shattenkirk makes a huge difference for the Rangers. There were Devils fans who were happy they didn't get him. So I don't think enough people respect the removal of Klein and Girardi and the addition of Kevin Shattenkirk. And that alone makes a, so much of a, of a bigger difference than you could ever really even fathom. And you're going to see it this year. I really do think that. I had I, totally I forgotten about Kevin until you said that. He had completely fallen out of my I had totally forgotten Kevin Klein existed until you said that right then. See, there you go. I, I wonder, a little better now. I think their season started, actually, right? Europe? Adam would know that. Yeah. Has Europe oh, yeah. started yet? Yeah, it started. Let's, see. Let's throw some, some Kevin Klein elite prospects up here and see what's going on. Oh, my God. He's got four goals and an assist in ten games. Look at that. And he's wearing the A. Good for him. Kevin Klein. Mm. He'll probably do pretty well uh, in Europe, at least offensively. <laughs> Excuse me, I don't know how he's going to handle the, the bigger ice surface in terms of defense, but whatever. Um, 
I, I just don't think a lot of people appreciated that. I'll, and to Beth, to, to what you're talking about, there are a lot of metrics out there that are showing the Rangers not doing all that well this year, which is surprising to me because if the real yeah. question is how are the Rangers going to deal with losing Stepan, I think there's enough to A, bringing in Shattenkirk, but B, having an actual top four on defense. I think Shattenkirk himself may replace Stepan's offense by himself. I mean, if Stepan puts up 50 to 55 points this year, there's no reason to assume Shattenkirk can't do that from the blue line. But the question that you have is whether or not the Rangers forwards are going to be able to get the jobs on their way. And just some of the line combinations we've seen, there's going to have to be a couple. <clears throat> there's going to have to be at least a couple of lines that are sheltered. And you can pair those guys with, say, McDonough Shattenkirk or Smith Shea, and you're going to be able to get a little bit more of defensive support than you did when you had Stahl Boyle or McDonough Girardi or Holden and Stahl or whatever it was. And I think that's going to make a really big difference. I mean, the SB Nation NHL preview came out. Mike Murphy did the New York Rangers portion for us and, um, we were not part of the vote, but some of the editors that were part of the vote voted the Rangers to finish, I think, fifth or sixth in the conference, which is shocking to me. Yeah. I don't think Washington got better. I don't think Pittsburgh got better. I think Columbus got better. Carolina got better, but not that much better. Um, I, I, I just don't see it. And granted, this is prime opportunity for us to be eating our words and for me to be crying into this microphone in a couple of months, but I really just don't see it. I don't see the Rangers having this drastic fallout. I think they got better overall. And if Heedle happens to stick around, if he proves that he's good enough to hang in the NHL, it's going to make a really big difference for the Rangers because if he's a legitimate third line center and he can play that role, that's going to make the Rangers a little bit more solid top to bottom down the middle. And Right now, I would say that's the main concern. I mean, Adam, what are your what are your big concerns about the Rangers right now? Um, obviously, the center position, but specifically about it, um, <clears throat> you know, it, it kind of seems like obviously um, they're not going to give Heatel heavy minutes. They're not going to match him against the other team's top lines. They're not going to give him important defensive zone starts. Um, and Desharnay, could he do it? Yeah, he wouldn't be terrible, but that's not exactly his forte. And he's going to be playing fourth line minutes, <clears throat> so it looks like they're going to be giving Kevin, giving they're going to give Kevin Hayes, uh, you know, that that uh, big role. Um, and I think Kevin Hayes is good at a lot of things, but I don't know if that really um, maximizes his abilities, and I don't know if that's something he can particularly excel at. Um, especially if they're going to be putting JT Miller and Michael Grabner on his wings, because um, as much offense as they provided for much of last season, they, they bled a ton of shots. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, there's no, there's not a Rick Nash on that line or Zuccarello or even a, or even a Jesper Foss, someone who, um, you know, plays the defensive side of the, of the game. Well, um, so I think that's a big concern right now. Um, you know, and then the other concern is just Elaine Vigneault. And um, the reason I say that is when we, when we talk about the model of not projecting the Rangers doing well this year, um, a big reason why that is is because 
the models don't really have foresight. And what I mean by that is they're taking data from previous seasons and projecting based on that. Now, in previous seasons, um, Mark Stahl is getting 22, 23 minutes per night. So the model is projecting based off of that. Um, the outcome becomes different if you project him getting um, 15, 16 minutes a night. Um, same, similar thing with Holden. Holden last year was a 20, 22-minute guy, um, and that's how these models are projecting. They are, they're not saying, oh, well, Brady Shade's going to get more minutes this year and whatever else. Um, that's you know, one of the downfalls of models. But um, at the same time, I don't think it's a given that I – th- I think it's clear that Mark Stahl – um, is going to start in the third pair this year, and Nick Holden starting in the press box. But we kind of know what tends to happen over the course of the year with Vigneault, where things get a bit rocky or whatever, and he, you know, clings to his vices. And uh, those vices this year are Mark Stahl and Nick Holden. So how how uh, you know will he be able to resist that temptation? Has he moved on, and does he finally get it? Um, that that's I think a big one is. Um, because right or wrong, a, a big uh, defense of him in the past has been that, uh, you know, whatever he does, the defense, there's not enough talent on the defense. The defense, the players aren't good enough. He's working with what he has, which was debatable when it was, you know, Matt Hunlick and Adam Clendenning and, and what, you know, whatever else. But um, I don't think it's uh, debatable anymore. I think everyone in the world understands that the Rangers' current top four is legitimate. Uh, serious talent. And then there's D'Angelo and Pionk played well in preseason and Ryan Graves played well. So I don't think that argument is there for him anymore that um, he doesn't have the talent. So it's going to be on him to uh, properly utilize it this year. We talked about, I don't know, Beth, if it was the last podcast or the podcast before, how concerning it was to see Kevin Hayes in the preseason getting this big, you know, penalty kill role and kind of some of the reason why we thought maybe he wasn't as successful as he could have been last year was the fact that the Rangers, and when I say the Rangers, I mean Vigneault, forced this defensive role down his throat. And that's not who Kevin Hayes is. Uh, Listen, I love Kevin Hayes. I I think Kevin Hayes is a really good player. I think he's a little underrated actually because of some of the struggles that he's had. Um, I just don't think, like Adam said, he's not a defensive player. This is, it's not one of the strengths of his game. <clears throat> so if you're going to – if you look at last year and you say to yourself, wow, Kevin Hayes was not as good last year as we wanted him to be, well, the reason is because of the role he was in. I don't like seeing him in that kind of a role again this year because he didn't do well last year. He struggled. You need to know how to adjust. And I guess in, in some sense, it's a good thing that he, he's hit that veteran plateau with Vigneault. But when you look at the way the Rangers found success, it, it was when guys were just playing a role that they were good at. That 2014 team definitely had deficiencies, but they did a much better job <laughs> protecting those deficiencies than they did in years past. And I'm curious to see what happens because we have had at least suggestions that the Rangers are not happy with the the direction that things went. And I know Vigneault got uh, an extension and, you know, everything's honky-dory on the surface. But the reality of the situation is Jeff Gordon made some pretty sweeping changes to this team. And 
not bringing glass back, getting rid of Girardi are two big blows to the AV. These are veterans that have to play this role mentality. And I'm very curious to see where things go. I know Adam talking about projections. It feels like hurricane Irma all over again, where you're looking at the 19, like the European model and the American model and everything else. But there is an opportunity for AV to make the right decisions this year. Adams mentioned this before, and I agree with him. The ideal third pair right now is D'Angelo Holden because Holden's better than Stahl is. And really the deficiencies that you see are in Holden isn't that he's a bad defenseman. He's just not a, a top four defenseman. He might do well in a, a more top four on his offside. Yeah. He, he might do more in a third line role, a third pairing role. And his mobility, him and D'Angelo, could actually be a relatively formidable third pairing if they got the proper usage. But where you see the, where you get concerned and where you have to question the coach is this is the same guy that sat Shea and Smith last year in the playoffs in critical moments of a hockey game for Stahl and Holden. And that can't happen. So... You know, you don't know the answer to that question until it happens, unfortunately. This is, it's just the way that it is. And I don't think it's unfair to speculate these things because we've seen it for three years now. There really was no wrong answer in 2014. There really wasn't. The team was what they were. And once player personnel started changing that summer moving forward, the loss of Strawman, the loss of Puyat. Um, some of those de- decisions were very defensible. Some of them were very not defensible. Um, A.V. started making the wrong answer. He started making the wrong choices, and that's where they've run into some trouble. Beth, I apologize. I boxed you out there. Um, what are your big concerns going into the season? Yeah, I mean, it is, it is Vigneault because I don't, I don't trust him to do the right experiments and take the right results. Um, And, you know, I mean, that's, there's such an interesting group right now. And I think there's a lot of potential and I think there's just things he gets locked into because he's comfortable with them. Um, He tinkers, um, but he doesn't adjust. I'm not quite sure what the exact distinction between those things is maybe tinkering is when I don't like the way you adjust Um, and adjusting is when I do. But um, that's kind of been something that's been going on with him since, since he's been here is, is not being able to to make the changes that, like you said, um, utilize the player's strength in the right place at the right time. Um, Who was it? Who was, this is what happens when I read lots of things and don't remember who wrote them. Um, somebody, I don't think it was Sean McIndoe, somebody said that it looked to them like Lindy Ruff was positioned to take the head coach job if, if, AB does, if they don't make the playoffs this year. Um, whereas Adam, didn't you write a whole thing about how Lindy Ruff is just basically the same club or the same yep. school of, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So does yeah, that it not, doesn't really, much- it doesn't really make sense. The whole, the, I mean, like, it might be incidental that Vigneault gets fired at some point and Ruff takes over, but I don't, that wasn't the plan because Ruff's name came into discussions after Vigneault and, and Art Scott Arneal were brainstorming names. It wasn't like Jeff Gordon said, here's your new assistant coach. It was, it was there yeah. picking. So that might be an incidental result, but that's, I don't think that's why he's 
uh, on the on the team. I don't think that's why he was hired. And not just to jump in here, one of the biggest issues I had with the Rangers' extension of Vigneault last season was, like Beth was saying, you don't know, and I think there is a difference between tinkering and adjusting. Tinkering is like, oh, we're going to move Holden to the second pair and move Stahl down to the third pair and see what happens. Adjusting is, okay, yes. you're going to go in the press box and we're going to bring somebody else in. And I really did think the Rangers were going to hang the extension of Vigneault, not necessarily over his head, but hey, like we need to see some pretty clear-cut improvements if you want to stick around. And what the extension told me was, we're happy enough with the direction things are going that you know, we want you around for another two years. Ruff has this feeling of, hey, Dolan does not mind spending money. You better take care of business because he's going to be there to to replace you if something goes wrong. But like Adam argued and like Beth brought up, there's not that much of a difference between Ruff and Vigneault. There are some some Mm -hmm. subtle differences. I think Ruff is a little bit more um, kid-friendly, although there's certainly the – God, why can't I remember his name? Who's the Russian that he basically ran out of Dallas? Uh, yeah um, so there's definitely there's reasons to be concerned there but every coach has a flaw and nobody's perfect but the, I don't think there's enough of a difference there that oh the Rangers are going to move in the right direction the difference between Vigneault and Tortorella was immense It was it, it's basically two the uh, polar opposites of one another Vigneault's a little bit more of a players yeah. coach Tortorella was definitely more of a fire breathing taskmaster um, you didn't get you can't go any different Ruff and AV while not exactly the same they're close enough the philosophy is the same and you're not going to get yeah. enough change if, if things don't work right now with AV it's not because he's really close and they just need a little bit of an extra push things just you need a different mentality and that's yeah. something I think the Rangers have struggled with because much like Vigneault Glenn Sather, and to this point, time will tell with Jeff Gordon, they like the consistency. They like what they know. They don't like yep. these out of the box, oh, we're going to go after something crazy. We're going to be in this, you know, we're going to, uh, we're going to kind of change the script here and do something drastic. They're not that type of an organization. And yeah. until change happens at the top, I don't think they ever will be. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but. I don't know if you guys remember the story Adam wrote that we keep referencing about basically the boys club of hockey. You could get from rough to Vigneault with like what? Three degrees of separation. Uh, you, you, that are, you know, whether it was uh, Scott O'Neill worked for him X and Vigneault worked for him Y. And this was something that everybody was comfortable with. I think Vigneault could have definitely spoken yeah. up and say, Hey, I don't want him here. And he would have been absolutely within his rights to say, I don't want a head coach that has just as much head coaching experience yeah. as I do as an assistant coach. He wanted him here because he's comfortable with him being here. And for a team that needs adjustments and needs to kind of take that next step, that's not always a good thing. Maybe you don't want comfort, but yeah. that's sort of this, I guess, environment that the Rangers have bred right now. And listen, it, it might not be the worst thing in the world. This, the first 27 minutes of this podcast have been relatively negative, And um, I don't think it, 
it's justified for what we're going to see out of the team. I think we're doing a lot of worst-case scenario mm-hmm. business right now. Yeah. I really do think the Rangers are going to be a much better hockey team this year than they are next year, or than they were last year. Yep. Presuming <laughs> yep, that I would, some of the right decisions. I would even say, yeah, I would, I would even say, like, what is the worst-case scenario? Like, just the worst way, realistically speaking, the season could go. And like, I still think the Rangers would be in pretty good hands. Like, all right, so, like, the season was a fail. Um, they lost another year of Henrik, fine. But they would have a top pick in, in a great draft. Like, they have all their picks this year. Um, they have one bad contract on the books. But other than that, um, you know, they have a lot of uh, money that is coming off their books. They have a lot of young players on the team. They have a lot of young talent. They have improved the minor league system. So, even in the worst-case scenario, you know, I don't think it's, like, the last two years where it was, like, all right, like, this was a waste, like, massive failure and, uh, you know, I, I think regardless of what happens, you know, it's at least something that can they can build off of and say, okay, like, we have a, an idea, we have a direction, we have a, uh, the building blocks to, even if, if we're not there yet, but we have the circumstances to get there if we make the right moves. So, you know, I'm, that's kind of why I'm, I wouldn't say I think they're playing with free money because they're not, but it's it's not this kind of, do or die scenario that it's been the past two years. And that's, you know, maybe, you know, something the team needs, um, you know, is not having that um, pressure to perform um, and, and such. So I, I think, you know, things can go wrong, things probably will go wrong, but regardless, even in the worst case scenario, I think there's a lot to be uh, excited about. Yeah, the Rangers readjusting the way that they look at their farm system has certainly helped prove what Adam is saying. And I'm going to make a comment now that uh, may be unpopular and it may make Beth scream, but I'm going to say it anyway. I am – I can't believe I'm saying this. I am not overly concerned about the end of Lundqvist's reign at least not as concerned as I was maybe two or three years ago. Now, emotionally, it would be devastating, emotionally, for the Rangers to not win a Stanley Cup with Henrik Lundqvist. Uh, he, you talk about like the greats that have never won, the Dan Marinos or whatever analogy you want to make. That is, without a doubt, it would be awful because he has easily been the goaltender of the generation for both this organization yep. and you can make an argument for the, the NHL in general. He is the yep. picture of what you want a goaltender to be. He is consistent. He is dominant in front of a terrible defense. He has done so much for this organization that it, it, it makes me uncomfortable to even say this. And that's the way that it should be. Emotionally, it would be awful for the Rangers to not win a Stanley cup with Hendrick Lundqvist from a business sense. Say some say a meteor strikes Earth and Lundqvist is gone forever. After this year, you have Georgiev. Meteor, did I say that right? It's Georgiev, right? Mm. Yes. Was that your agreement? Yeah. Sure. Georgiev for a year or two, and then you have Shostorkin, who is putting up numbers that are eye popping in the KHL. The Rangers timed this really well, but like Adam said, with the refresh in the farm system, the Rangers are a pretty young team. They're not in this we-have-to-win-right-now mode. They could take a – really, the the pressure that, like, 
overwhelming, oh my God, they have to win, is that emotional connection to Henrik Lundqvist. But the Rangers are shockingly well set up to lose a generational goaltender. And I was not, that was not something I, I was comfortable saying two or three years ago. So I definitely think that plays into what Adam is saying, that worst, worst case scenario, if the Rangers are bottom feeders, just totally restock and start over. And again, from an emotional standpoint, it, it would be a failure of epic proportions, something that would be difficult to talk about that they let Henrik Lundqvist down like that. It would, it would honestly be one of the bigger failings in the NHL in like modern, and I don't modern history. And I don't think that's unfair to say the same thing. If, you know, if the Capitals don't win a cup with Ovechkin, it's the same exact thing. You're talking about a generational player who, if they don't want to stay in the cup, it's, it's awful, but the Rangers are at least prepared to move on from Lundqvist when that time does come. And, uh, I think that's a, a testament to both the European scouts. I think it's Gordy Clark, and I think it's the Rangers being smart enough to make the decision that the farm needed to be adjusted, especially from the goaltending, because that has been what we're going to say the Rangers recent farm system overhaul is this summer. So it started this summer, but the goaltending overhaul I think has been at least two or three years in the making. And there's been a couple of, uh, of duds. I think Halverson, probably got the worst news he could have possibly gotten by getting sent down to the AHL or yep. the ECHL this year. I'd say he's out of the picture. Skafsky is obviously not, not with the team anymore. Um, you know, there, there's some other players that we were high on Tyler wall. Uh, but right now it's, it's Georgiev and it is, uh, it's just Yorkin and boy, the Rangers are just, it's a, it's a totally different world than it was a few years ago. And uh, credit to them for doing the right thing there. So, Adam, I'll ask you, since you're the prospect guy, do you agree with me, at least with the sense of the Rangers are are somewhat prepared for the loss of Lundqvist, if you could be prepared for it at all? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Shostorkin's a big one. Um, But it's not even at the prospect level. Like, um, you know, kind of when things are winding down for the Devils, when – um, you know, Niedermeyer left, and then Brodor was aging, and, and Elias was aging, and such. And they, 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 like, they had to do system reboot. And, um, you know, if, if Lundqvist just, you know, re- retired tonight to become a monk, like, he decided, I'm going to become a monk. I'm moving to Tibet. I don't know. There whatever. Really like, would, would they, yeah, I don't know. Like, would they be good this year? No, probably not. Uh, but, it wouldn't be this hard reset where they'd have to, you know, build from scratch and, and start over and, and look, you know, all right, like we want to contend four years from now, five years from now. I think it would take them a year. If they, if they played their cards right, they could, you know, take one year to transition um, and, then, and then start moving again. Um, just they, they just have so much. They, the top the top four is, is great, and it's um, – you know, no one's particular, particularly old. They're all in their late 20s besides, like, uh, Shea, who's early 20s. And then you would think locking up McDonough is not a – won't be a problem in terms of convincing him to do so. So you've got that going. You've got you've got Kreider, Hayes, Miller, you know, Uchnevich, VC. Um, like, they have, they have pieces that um, – they wouldn't need to start over. I don't think they, they would just need a year, maybe two years. Um, but it, it's not this, 
uh, now or never type vibe, I don't think. I think they've done enough to, to kind of give them that head start. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's not as concerning as it was maybe a year ago, two years ago. Yeah. And, and just so I mean, go ahead, Beth. No, I mean, the thing, the thing that irks me is that, you know, we'd always talked about how Lundqvist's excellence took, um, a lot of the pressure off the team and, and, you know, hid many faults. And I think also that Lundqvist, and I'm not going to say decline, um, but Lundqvist having not the best season in the whole world, again, behind the defense that he was behind, has also mm-hmm. been the narrative instead of Elaine Vigneault's possible failings as a coach. Um, it seems that no matter what the team is doing, sort of the story is Lundqvist um, in a way that I think, and, and we, I saw that in that debate, you know, the goalie rankings in the athletic today that, you know, only one GM surveyed came up with, you know, in regard to Lundqvist was like, Jesus, do you see what he's playing behind? Um, everyone else seemed to see it as like, you know, it's a decline. And instead of viewing it as, you know, if it is a decline, it's a combination of, yeah, probably some aging, some wear and tear. Um, but also just being you know, machine gunned on a pretty regular basis. So I, I find it interesting that when they're talking about the Rangers, you're pretty much always talking about Henwick Lundqvist. Like he's carrying that weight as well as, yeah. you know, the pressure of being a generational goaltender who at this point, distinct possibility, not going to win a cup. It just keeps people, I think, from talking about other things that could be wrong, could be fixed, could be stories. Did uh, did you say Henlick Lundqvist? I might have, but you said he was going to be hit by his own personal meteor. Yeah, so, because you know I, what? I'm not I didn't that, want to say both Adam and I were talking about him not being around anymore in the most unreasonable way possible so that it was unreasonable. You, you had like a single yeah. serving size meteor. Adam yes. turned him into a monk. A Listen, monk in a meteor. If, a meteor the size of a car enter the Earth's atmosphere, it would probably break up enough to be a small golf ball-sized meteor that uh, would absolutely kill you if it hit you. So, And let's say, if a ranger was going to be hit, it would be Henrik Lundqvist. In fact, it would, it would either be Lundqvist or, or it would... And, and if it was Lundqvist, it, like, he would be walking on the sidewalk with Ryan McDonough, and McDonough would somehow deflect the meteor into his neck. Because that's yeah. just the way that these things happen. Oh, it's no. just these weird like deflections. That's exactly he'd like try to push Lundqvist out of the way and actually push him into the meteor somehow. It's exactly what it would be. Um, or he becomes a monk. You don't know. You don't know what Lundqvist is going to do after this. I think I'm the sure meteor there's... is more likely. Just my. Uh, I don't Certainly know. Further, I think that would be a waste. Maybe it would be a waste. Um. Okay, so we talked about some bad things. Adam, <laughs> what are you most excited about this year? Um, I'm excited about a lot of things. <laughs> but like we, I, we've talked a lot about the top four. Um, what I'm excited about is seeing uh, 
some of the young guys in, in increased roles. I'm excited to see uh, what Brady Shea does with what will hopefully be legitimate top four minutes alongside a good defenseman. Um, I'm excited for Pavel Buchnevich being healthy and playing a full season and probably paying, playing a full season on, in the top six. I, I think he's going to by the end of the year, and uh, I'll definitely be wrong because I'm always wrong. I, th- I think by the end of the year, um, people will view him as a, a, a first-line winger. I think going into next season, he will be penciled in on the first line, and they'll be like, yeah, duh, obviously. Uh, just because that's the feeling I have. Like last year was the transition year and such, and he's healthy now, and uh, you know they, they need him to step up. So you know, I'm excited about that. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited that, you know, he told's going to get a chance here. I don't think he's going to last the whole season, but nonetheless, even if he does a month, plays a month and does decent things, then that, that's a big step forward for him and for the Rangers. So I'm just kind of excited, yeah, for, for, uh, young players to get in increased roles and, and, you know, if, if they fail, then they fail, but at least, you know, it's, they're failing, trying to do something different and, and with players who can learn something from it as opposed to, you know, um, you know, just sticking their hand on the stove again and then wondering why, you know, their hand's burning. So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm just I'm excited for that, for something new and for, for fresh faces and, and, you know, eager players to prove themselves. I think I'm most excited about Buchnevich in total. Um I think I'm most excited about Heedle right now, but I don't know if Heedle's going to last the year, so I think Buchnevich has to take the cake. Um, if he gets a top six role, and there's really no reason to assume he doesn't deserve one, um, I think you're going to be really, really surprised at the type of player that he is because a lot of people were on the, the Jimmy VC side of that stupid fence of who's the better player. And VC was the media darling because he's a good North American boy and, you know, plays the game the right way, straight lines, North-South hockey, all that nonsense. And I think Buchnevich kind of got left in the cold a little bit. But I, I, I've been really, really excited. And in the, in the postseason, or the preseason, excuse me, uh, I think Buchnevich is one of the Rangers' better players. I really do. I'm also just unbelievably excited for Ryan McDonough not to be with Girardi. I am betting there's going to be a thousand, oh, this is the new look Ryan McDonough. Look at this Ryan McDonough that came to play this year. Nothing's going to be different from years past from Ryan McDonough. It's going to be the guy who's not playing with him anymore. And I'm excited for Shattenkirk too. I am. I I have not been this excited for a Rangers season, I'm going to say since 2015 and even 2015, the year after the Cup, there was this sense of dread that, oh, God, the Rangers lost a lot of really good players and, and didn't bring in yeah. a lot of really good players. So even more so than 2015, I would say. Beth, what are you excited about outside of Henrik Lundqvist? Well, I just want to say, I, I it wasn't until you said that, Joe, that I realized, and yeah, maybe they just got better media people or whatever, or it's just like camera thing. I think I've seen McDonough smile so far more this season then he like smiled for the last two years. Like I, I, he just looks lighter and the happy boy. You know, he's yeah. I mean, he's gotta be just, he became captain and had an anchor tied to him basically at the same time 
or a little bit, you know, and it's just the guy always looked like he was working on an ulcer. He looked miserable. And he just, he seemed lighter. He seemed happier. He seemed excited about the season. And yeah, I'm not going to read too much into off ice stuff, but it did make me think of that when you said that. I was like, wow, I've seen him smiling in like eight different scenarios. And I think before that, I don't, I hadn't seen that. Definitely not mid-season or late season. It seemed for a while. He just always looked like the weight of the world was on his shoulders. Um, I, yeah, I had so much fun watching Buchnevich in preseason. He just got some passes off from the strangest places. And he was just doing, you know, I think he's really going to make a case for himself as uh, I'm thinking now of the, the, the play they do basically all the time. And you guys are going to know like hockey words for it. And I'm not going to be able to think of it, but like putting it right on top of the crease and getting somebody to basically rush and slam it in, which they do. Well, I mean, a lot of te- teams do a lot, but I, I feel like I saw that same play fail mm. uh, a whole bunch of times in preseason, but right. also the end of last season and then there's Buchnevich just sort of popping up out of nowhere and just serving these gorgeous class passes to somewhere interesting that even if it didn't work it was just so much fun to watch and it often did and yeah I mean he's got to be careful of the puck watching and stuff like that but to like really see what he's going to do now if he can settle somewhere I think that's going to be so much fun to see him turn into the player he can be on this team if he gets the time and he gets the responsibility and doesn't feel like there's an axe hanging over his head. Yeah, I mean, D'Angelo too, as, as much as there's been a lot of off the ice stuff with him, that is unfortunately going to be a storyline rightfully so one way or another. Um, those types of players are just not easy to find. They're really not. If he develops into what he can be, the Rangers have an unbelievably dangerous puck moving defense. Mm-hmm. And, Again, just not easy to find. There's now whether or not he is effectively nurtured is a totally different question. And I covered that a couple of days ago in in my article about how D'Angelo checks all the boxes for the type of guy who gets to sit in the press box and watch hockey. Lots of (laughs) offensive flair, makes some mistakes, a couple of boneheaded plays, takes risks. Those guys do not last very long on an AV team if you're below 25, but um, I'm excited for him. I'm excited for the whole defense. If You guys feel like he pinches too much sometimes? No, I don't. I, well, Adam could probably speak to this a little bit more than I can. I don't, I don't think his deficiencies come from pinching too much. I actually think he pick, he pinches really, really well. I think his deficiencies come from the low reads and, him wanting to jump into a play when he shouldn't, but no. not in the offensive zone on a pinch in the defensive zone where he's covering someone and he thinks, Oh, I can, I can jump up and, and break out and leaves his guy. Or he's watching the puck for that moment and loses his guy. And Adam can tell me if I'm wrong on that. No, it's, it's mostly right. Uh, he, he absolutely loves to mostly right. Just like kind of like, kind of like Mike green become the fourth forward on the play. Uh, which which is fine and great, especially when the Rangers uh, when the Rangers need a goal. Uh, that's that's a great asset to have. Um, but it's um, you know it, it's not just when you look at guys like uh, <clears throat> Brian Leach. It's not just that he had the ability to do that, but he understood 
what the circumstances around him needed to be to make it okay to do so and, and make it worth the risk. Um, and there are times where he kind of just is like a golden retriever who, who, you know, just is chasing after a tennis ball. Like I see the ball, like I'm going to go, like I want to go, I'm going to run. Uh, so she, that's something that uh, Wendy Ross needs to work with him on. Um, we'll, we'll see how that goes um, because the Rangers historically haven't been, or Vigneault hasn't historically been very accepting of that kind of thing, mistakes happening. But also on D'Angelo, he doesn't have a history of, of taking well the coaching advice. Um, so, you know, it's going to be a bit interesting. Uh, to see the dynamic and, and how those two work it out and compromise and, and, and you know, whatever else. Um, <clears throat> because, like, like you said, Joe, if, if the Rangers hit the right buttons here and if D'Angelo is, is willing to listen and learn and, and, and whatever else, uh, there are very few players in the, in the league like him you know, that can do the things he does going forward, so, uh, especially on the right side. So, yeah, it's. I can't remember the last time the Rangers had a player who was um, so so like volatile in in terms of this guy could um, become the greatest offensive defenseman his team has had in, in 20 years, or he could be a total disaster. You know, maybe it was Nick Gerda that kind of had that you know volatility and that exciting boom bust quality. So. Again, it's going to be interesting to see, and it's going to be interesting to see, especially with Mark Stahl and his pairing, um, because he has his own issues. So uh, it'll it'll be interesting to watch for sure. I will say the issues that D'Angelo has had in the past with coaching and the deficiencies and just all the reasons why you would say, wow, that's not a guy that's going to work with Vigneault. They're not new problems. They're problems that have unfortunately followed him from Tampa Bay where he was drafted. Oh, no, wait. Yes, Tampa Bay where he was drafted yep. to uh, the Coyotes where he played, I think, 19 games in the NHL last year and, and now over to New York. So the reason I say that, you would assume that Gordon sat down with Vigneault and said, hey, I'm, we're probably going to get this kid. I need to make sure you can make this work because you don't – you don't sacrifice an asset like that. Granted, I would have told you the exact same thing about getting back Emerson Edom for Carl Haglin, and we saw how that turned out. But um, well, you know, even, even more so than that, even more so than that, you know, kind of they 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 traded for Keith Yandel, they traded all these assets, and then he's on the third pairing. But even even more so, they they traded all these assets they didn't really have for Eric Stahl, and then like they didn't even know how they were going to use him. There was really no plan. And then Vigneault admitted that after the season, like, oh, like, we just really didn't understand what we were trying to do with him. So you, I'm, I'm, I don't think they said, surprise, here's your player, like, deal with it. But there's been a little bit of a disconnect in the past in terms of what the Rangers maybe think they're acquiring when they make a trade versus how the coaching staff is utilizing those players. So... I don't think it can be taken for granted that, oh, yes, everyone's on the same page here and, and you know, it's going to work out. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Well, that was depressing. But true, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I forgot yeah. about the end. Yeah, but the... also, you know, again, like not to cut you off again, sorry, but at the same time, like, look, like I always say, like, 
if you're going to fail, then fail trying to do something awesome, right? Like the Rangers <laughs> the last few years have failed with players that we know just were going to fail. Like we knew like Girardi, like these guys, they're going to fail and they failed. Like if D'Angelo fails, like at least it would be because they tried to do something special. Like they, they tried to bring in a player who had game breaking ability. And if it worked out right, he would have, you know, completely changed the outlook of, of the, the offense. Um, for the long term, you know. So, uh, at least at least they're trying something with, with upside. And again, like that's what I'm saying about the season. Like they're trying new things. They're doing things that could work instead of um, making the same mistakes over and over again. So uh, we'll see how it works out with D'Angelo. I'm not 100% confident, but I'm cautiously optimistic. So uh, hopefully it works out. Cautiously optimistic. I think that is uh, kind of how I'm going into the season, to be completely honest with you. All right. Well, I've, I think I've hacked my way through this show enough. I apologize, uh, ladies and gentlemen, for being sick. And thank you, Adam, for jumping on while you were sick. And thank you, Beth. Thank you, Beth, for just being here and keeping us I'm on track. Well, thank you. You guys sound like you have we were to talking about, We were talking about whale rankings last week because Shana was just she let me and Mike do whatever we wanted to. So, um, there is a new Twitter page for the website. It is Blue Shirt Banter. That was formerly me. It is no longer me. Um, I am now Joe Fortunato BSB at Twitter. Uh, go follow Blue Shirt Banter if you are not yet. It is the new hub for the uh, the website. We're just going to kind of RSS feed stories there and, and do whatever. So, um, that'll be good. Adam Herman is Adam Z. Herman. Beth Macklin is Beth Macklin. And, uh, yeah, BlueShirtBanter.com. Patreon.com slash BlueShirtBanter. And, uh, yeah, anything else either of you want to add? Good. No, not really. I don't know. Good. Um, we will talk to you Thank you for all the calls, week. everyone. Yeah, thank you, everybody who called in. You guys rock. Um you're, uh, we'll have some actual Rangers hockey to talk about. Some actual <clears throat> regular season hockey. All right. Peace out, guys. Beth as well. Bye.